Hello and welcome to uh, an OV Community Member Spotlight session. And today we've got uh, Sheila Strover, uh, Dr. Sheila Strover, on, uh, in the hot seat. And she's going to be answering some questions. So, uh, Sheila, can you tell us, just give us a, bit, a little bit of a, an introduction about uh, who you are and your background? Sure, Mark. And thank you for having me. It's really a great honor to be here today. Um, I'm a retired doctor who is involved very deeply in a medical website that I created myself. Um, I'm not a knee doctor, but my knee, my website is all about knees. So I'll try and give you in a moment a little bit of background to, to how I got there. So before, I Before you do, teach yeah. like what I want to do is I just want to tease people, okay? Is that okay if I just tease a few people right sure. at the beginning of the hangout? Just yeah. to put, I want, I want the, a little bit of perspective on, you know, why we're talking to Sheila today, because you might think knee, uh, uh, a knee specialist website, knee injury specialist website, that's niche. So most of our minds, when we hear of that, we would think that's really, really niche. And I just want to leave with this before we go into anything else. Sheila's website gets 20,000 page visits every day. That's 20,000 page visits every day. And we're going to come and talk about that later. But I just want to plant that in everybody's minds so they understand, you know, what Sheila's achieved and where she's coming from. So, yeah, so sorry, Sheila, if you come back. So your background is a doctor and you were just explaining that. Yeah, I trained in medicine in South Africa uh, many years ago. And my first introduction to this kind of knee surgery was because I was giving anesthetics or anesthesia to a guy who was trying to learn keyhole surgery. So it was very boring. Uh, in those days, you had to put the, the scope on your eye, and only the surgeon could see what he was doing. And he would take hours and hours and hours because it was a new discipline. And then after that, he would open up the knee and do the operation. So it became interesting a few years later when they started relaying that particular image onto a TV screen so that the entire operating theater staff could see what was going on. So after a, a, a long time of, of, of great boredom when they were doing these procedures, I could suddenly see what was going on. And, and that made it really interesting to everybody in the team because even an ordinary open operation, you can't see very much if you're at the head of the table or, or wandering in the periphery. So, um, so that was my introduction, but I was at the same time married to somebody who desired to be a knee surgeon. And he completed his training and became a knee surgeon, and we came to the UK. Um, the, the, the reason then was that he was wanting to in, invent and patent a particular knee ligament, and that the right people were in the UK. So that was how we came in, in this direction in the first place. So my, my, my beginning was as an observer, and then it was... Um, the wife who was getting very frustrated with her husband who wouldn't stop talking about ligaments. And at the time, they were ligaments made of carbon fiber. And I always used to go to the oven and find little bits of carbon fiber cooking with blood in the oven while he was doing his experiments. <laughs> so, you know, I came in it in a, in a rather strange direction. And then from there, I continued with my work. And he started working with designers and um, creating promotional videos and educational videos. So I'd go to studios and see this process, which I found absolutely fascinating. 
and he would have to do patent applications and patent designs and then eventually the thing took off and he got properly into a consultant position as a knee surgeon and and he used to go on the international, they call it a circuit as if it's a motor racing, but the international circuit of knee surgeons at faculty level. So, you know, I had a, a really galloping route into the discipline, even though it wasn't my discipline at all. So okay. that's, that's and, the background. And so, when, so when did you launch uh, your website? When did that happen? Well, my website is very old. So it was launched in 1997. Okay. Possibly in, in some of the terms. audience weren't born. <laughs> I think in, in internet terms, that's as early on. That's yeah. you know, you was at the cutting edge. Yeah. And I remember the first day somebody showed me Alta Vista, which wasn't too far removed from that period of time. And okay. uh, by that time, by nineteen ninety seven, he had succeeded quite well in what, what he was doing, my my, my husband or my ex husband as he is now. And, and we had decided that together we would build a specialist clinic. So um, that was the next stage. So I was, I was not at consultant level, so I became the manager of the clinic or uh, involved both in that and the educational foundation that we created there. But um, I kept saying to the surgeons, listen, this, this thing called the internet, it's going to be big. And they laughed, oh, Sheila and the internet, Sheila and, the, Sheila and her mobile phone, because they thought mobile phones were hysterically funny at that stage. <laughs> so they considered Sheila and her mobile phone and Sheila and her internet as being really wacky. So I said, look, if you really don't want to invest in this thing, I'm going to be a little red hen and I'm going to do it myself. So the website was always mine, okay. even though I was involved in a corporate structure with surgeons and Okay. And, and employees and things. So that was that was quite a sort of skill set to learn back then because nowadays you can, you've got uh, custom, uh, uh, you know, uh, management systems and you don't even need to know any sort of code or anything like that. So, yeah. you know, it must have been a bit of a, a learning curve when you first started embracing it because the technology was well, very rough was. back then. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know how to use a computer in the beginning, and. Right. Um, at the time, the big thing to do was have an IBM-compatible computer. So I asked, I asked Angus if he would buy me an IBM computer, and instead he went and bought me one of Alan Sugar's little computers. I can't even remember what they were called. But Amstrad. They, Amstrad. And I was really frustrated. And it, it was a curious time in England because it was the Thatcher government. Lots of money was being poured into private ventures. And I had, or well, we had then, about, 10 staff and I decided rather selfishly that rather than trying to decide who would go on which course with all the training money I would take the whole lot and I would go and, and do it myself. So I went to a local college day after day and I learned what I thought was appropriate, how to use a computer, how to do SAGE accounting. Um, how to use Photoshop. They were all things I really had no idea about. Um, but eventually somebody, um, first of all, he introduced me to some people who could help build the website. And then eventually somebody gave me a Dreamweaver manual. And that was, that was me. It was like a three and a half inch manual. And I went through it from cover to cover. So it, I wasn't completely self-taught in terms of technology. But 
it was frustrating because they just didn't exist. I was at a computer show when I saw the first, um, what do you call it, um, the the Windows user face, graphic okay. use. Okay. Graphic. Yeah, the GUI. Don't know the words. The and I, I was, I was absolutely gobsmacked. So, um, so, so I've I been there a long time. So what I want to encourage people is, is uh, a lot of people, um, they've got niche expertise, and they're going to go for your journey, Sheila. You know, they've got niche expertise, um, and we're in this wonderful period, you know, um, where on the internet now and. You know, I go back on the internet probably as, the same as you, sort of 97. I remember those sort of, you know, how rough and ready it was back then. Thought, yeah, uh, you know, dial-up, you know, mm -hmm. people moan now and, you know, you had 48K dial-up and, you know, if you got a connection, you was, like, really joyful. Yeah. Um, I remember all that. And uh, But I just wanted to encourage people that, you know, that to succeed online these days, there is an acquisition of skills, but... You just got. If you get your head down, you can overcome those things, can't you? So, so you've got this website, and and you know from from uh, you know when I look at it uh, from the outside. Before I do this, I'm just going to say hello and um, to a couple of people: Raindale, Eileen, uh, we said hello to Vic, Phil's here, Rob from Creature Design, Sue Mosley, uh, Sue Aston. Uh, and, you know, Eileen's uh, gone through knee surgery recently, and she's gone through it twice, and she didn't know you did knee surgery, so she's really sort of uh, excited about that. And also, as well, uh, Rain Dow uh, asks, so does your website provide advice for those with knee problems? So we're going to talk about all that in a minute, but I just wanted to give a, a sort of, you know, a quick shout-out. So, so now you've sort of, okay, so you've taken all that experience. I've got a bit of background there. And it seems to me that you're taking everything, all that expertise and that knowledge, and you've put it, you put it on the internet. You've put it on so that people can access of that information. So obviously, there was a point in your mind when you decided that that information needed to be out there, needed to be public. Actually, the route was even more different to that. I, I did, I did spread my the skills that I had learned amongst the staff, so I became the trainer really. Um, but the website wasn't actually a website when I started because uh, websites weren't actually like all that structured in those days. And what I wanted was a bulletin board. So I designed, um, or I got, I got people to help me design a bulletin board that had, f I think, five areas. So there was a bulletin board for patients to ask questions. There's a bulletin board for doctors and one for physios and one for the trade and one for, I can't remember what the fifth one was. And it was, I don't know what you will remember, Mark, it was those bulletin boards that was all one long line in blue. So you asked a question and somebody answered it about two inches lower. And in between there'd been different questions and then the answer to that was even lower. And your, your bulletin board was just like one long thread that went everywhere. But only the patients came on. They, they went absolutely crazy. Um, and it was without any marketing. I just stuck this thing up. But in those days, there, there just weren't that many bulletin boards around. And But the doctors didn't involve themselves. The physios didn't involve themselves. The, the tr What we call the trade, the manufacturers didn't involve themselves, just the patients. So I trimmed it all down, and I, I just had a bulletin board for patients. So then what happened? We got a, a better structure to the bulletin board, but patient, I found patients arguing they would be arguing about some anatomy detail or they'd be arguing about an operation. And, and I'd say to them, look, rather than argue about it, let me go and find a surgeon who can explain it properly. 
and I will put this information in a little side part of, of this, this structure. So the content then was just, I wasn't thinking content, I was just wanting to create content so that patients didn't have to argue over and over and over. They could both say, oh, let's both look at the paper that Dr. Noyce has published. And then, you know, then it was a, an informed conversation. So then I started developing those niche things of um, authorship because it wasn't me who wasn't a knee surgeon. It wasn't them who didn't know the answer, but it was a global expert who had listened to me. I emailed him. I knew him from, from the circuit, from, from conferences and things. And I'd say, help me with this, please. Um, Dr. Noyce, can you help me just answer this question, put it down on paper, I'll publish it and I'll put your name on it. And, and that's how the content started to develop. So it was definitely audience-led or patient-led. And, and it's really it didn't interesting. come from me initially. And what's Sorry? really interesting as well is that, you know, you were doing content marketing uh, before, you know, what we would call content <laughs> marketing now. You were doing it before that phrase even existed, yeah, you know, yeah. before that was even a thought in someone's head. But what was really interesting there, what I really liked, you know, about that was, the way the patients jumped on board and they, you know, and it sounds like as well, they wanted to know the technical stuff. They, you see, the internet wasn't f developed sufficiently for them to go and look for the, the, the papers online because they didn't exist. You know, uh, perhaps um, they were thinking of having a knee replacement. They'd go there and type knee replacement and nothing would come up. So, um, so I was there very, very early, and I think that's probably another thing in terms of, of a niche. If you can hang in there long enough, um, the other competitors possibly will just fall away. So because I didn't start this as a commercial venture, I did it. I was employed. I did it just you know because it interested me and the academia interested me. Um, I wasn't worried that I wasn't earning anything and, and that it took forever to do. And... You know, um, so I think that also was great because I could just focus on what the questions were. And I wasn't doing it. I didn't know what SEO was. I wasn't writing anything for SEO. I, I'd never heard the term. I didn't know the concept. I was just writing what people wanted to know. Um, and so mostly I used experts. So um, yeah, but I think that's very a, good. I think there's really two key things that I wanted to just grab. Sheila, and that was one, he was, he was focused on being helpful, mm -hmm. and you wanted to get useful information out there, useful and relevant information to people, and then you mm -hmm. collaborated with other people to bring that information to the people, so you became, and I think sometimes people when they think about becoming a niche expert in an area, what they'll tend to do is think in terms of they've got to have all the expertise, but that's not necessarily the case, is it? Sometimes mm -hmm. you can be you know, that, 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 that center, that, mm -hmm. that person that mm -hmm. pulls all those resources together, pulls all mm -hmm. that information together and creates the hub. So mm -hmm. in a sense, you were the hub builder mm -hmm. of, of, around this niche sort of thing. Really, yeah. mm -hmm. and and that, the, the, next, the next step that happened in terms of, of this expertise um, was that the patients would say, okay, I realize I've got such and such a problem. They had all the words, they had the concepts. Now what do I do? Where do I go? Who do I see? And I would say, well, where, where are you? Well, I'm in Abu Dhabi or I'm in Indiana. And so I, um, 
I would write back to them and I'd say, look, I've got this directory that I picked up when I was at the big meeting with my ex-husband or my husband, he was then. I've got this directory with all the names of the people who attended the conference and who the faculty was. I'll have a look and I'll see, or I'll ask him. And he'd say, oh, they must go and see Dr. X or Dr. Y. And so I decided then that I would, I would advance this a bit. And um, I would ask some of these doctors if they would mind if I listed them. And the first few were very shy because it was a long time ago. Doctors just didn't put their names onto a public thing. I mean, they didn't know what the internet was, um, but the last thing they wanted was the, the, their medical professional body coming down on them. So um, I wrote to a few and they said, oh, I don't want to be the first. I don't want to be the first. So I just took the directory and I got the entire faculty and I just stuck them all on without asking them. I just put their names on and their addresses and I created a directory of the guys that I knew were the tops. And that's grown now over the years to, I think I've got about 2,000 surgeons with all their names, contact details, web links, um, areas of expertise, CVs. So now when somebody contacts me, I say, you know, here's the search tool. Go and find the doctor you want. And that's been enormously popular with patients. But it's had a secondary effect, which is um, something else in terms of niche. It's, it's created endorsement. Mm -hmm. Because with 2,000 global experts sitting there, and I'm no expert in anything, um, they offering endorsement to the, the entire project. And they're delighted because they're getting patients. So, um, you know, it's worked in a, in a, in a big loop. And now so I get that, people asking so that, to put content on. So that last week, we, you know, we were we were talking about collaborative marketing, and that is collaborative marketing. Marketing, they're really working because, you know, mm. you're out there, you're promoting, you're pushing them, and then in turn they come back. Now they're linking back to your website. They're probably referring people, using you as a resource because they don't want to mm -hmm. create this resource. They can't create this resource because you've spent the time creating mm. this niche, powerful resource and that's that's you know what I love about what you've done here Sheila is you know you've pulled all this together you know this is we often think of like collaborative marketing we talk about it and you know and I think it's coming into the consciousness of people that are out there doing marketing but these are principles that have been around for a while and it's it's just wonderful to see you know how you've done this um you know, singing. So what I'd like to do is obviously, you know, you know, you've got this website, you're getting 20,000 page visits a day. Okay. Mm. Now, you know, for me as a marketer, I'm sitting here, I, I'm drooling because, you know, if I'm getting 20,000 hits a day, there's so much I can do with that. Um, so do you have a, a mailing list? Um, you know, do you use a mailing list? You know, now you've gone through all my strengths, you're going to find all my weaknesses. Okay, then you're going to tell me all my opportunities. <laughs> so my weaknesses are that I've never, although I, I, I did study marketing, I understand marketing principles, I never went into a marketing project. This was an organic development, and I just happened to make decisions based on people's need, which turned out to be, in many cases, the right kind of decision. So... I have I have the bulletin board emails of everybody who's ever registered on the bulletin board, and that's I looked up today the current bulletin board, which is a, a, 
a relatively recent one who's got 36,000 addresses on there. But they're not like a newsletter where I've got permission to mail to them. Mm. But, you know, they are registered on my bulletin board. And if I don't mail to them, I can put a note on the bulletin board to say, look at this. Um, mm. And I've never used it in that way. It's just sitting there as a resource. Um, I have a colleague who is the, her name is Leah Davies, and she lives in the UK, and she's a PHP programmer. So she's built an amazing infrastructure to everything on the website, and she has some marketing experience. But between the two of us, uh, I don't think either of us would call ourselves a marketer, but she has um, been building a news a newsletter email list that has several hundreds on it, but nothing like the the thirty six thousand. So, um, and then my medical thing clicks in that says I can't do this. I I can't mail to people like I, you know. So it needs a it needs somebody with a marketing non medical head. My thoughts are in terms of professionalism, um, you know, making the content professional, getting um, certification that's professional, writing, you know, writing good content, getting good pictures. And when it comes to marketing, I write wonderful plans and they don't go anywhere. They kind of sit still. So what 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 I've 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 achieved that I think is ripe for marketing is that we have this wonderful database of surgeons. And now we're building alongside it a coming to be wonderful database of clinics. So the clinic listing says, here's the address, um, and these are the doctors who work here. And here's the, the email link or the web link. But Leah has designed a package where the clinics can have an enhanced listing, photographs, they can enhance the surgeons that are there anyway, but they can enhance their listing and they can also put banner ads. And I think that's, you know, it works well and it's really ripe for using. But don't ask me to pick that phone up and ring that clinic because I just can't do it. I just freeze up. And if they do say, yes, they'd love to do it, could I call them on Friday? I'll find every reason not to make that phone call on Friday. I, so, think, so. I, I think, though, Sheila, what, you know, with what you've got right now, you're in a position that you can go anyway. You know, you can do a gentle opt-in. Mm. You've got a bulletin board where you can put a gentle opt-in and say, you know, we're going to talk mm. about Udemy course, brand new Udemy course, just come out, blah, 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 free resource. If you want it, sign up to a newsletter. And there's lots of gentle ways you can do it. Mm. But the thing mm. is, you've already, because you've created the niche community, you know, now if it comes to choosing which way you want to market gently, and I suspect it with you, you're going to want to market very gently and very respectfully. But, you know, you've got the, the resource there. So so what are some of the things you still do to obviously generate um, expertise? What's some of the, how do you promote your website? How do you get people, you know, how, how do people get to find out about it? Obviously, obviously, obviously you've got fantastic presence in search. Yeah. Well, I'm back to where I started, where I'm interested in patients, doctors, physiotherapists, and trades. So I I go where I can to medical meetings, only knee-related meetings, and I make sure that um, 
I meet the surgeons I know, I ask them to introduce me to the rest of the faculty, I pick up their business cards, I put the information on, I give them one of my cards, um, I go to the brace manufacturer, not all the, the, not all the, um, the trade stands are relevant, some are, are too complicated for patients, like most patients don't know want to know about knee replacement design and the subtleties of of synthetic ligaments or something like that. But I go to like people who make braces and people who make exercise equipment and I take their card and I give them my card. And and a, a, a lot of um, times last year I was I was invited to meetings by um, by suppliers who who um, who paid my my entrance fee and my, my accommodation. So it was money in kind. But um, I think they would they would like very much to be represented as well. So um, the first person that said, "Would you like to be an affiliate?" Again, I absolutely balked. But you know that's an obvious way to go. You can. Um, mm. There's so mm. many opportunities here. So now I'm beginning to build a database of physios, physiotherapists, or physical therapists. And again, I only choose those that are at faculty level. So if I go to a meeting and a really good physiotherapist gives a really good paper. I will go and swap cards and put put him or her on the database and and so um, I think so you spend that a lot of so you spend a, a lot of time engaging with the Networking. experts in your yeah, yeah. so that's one as of the as much as I can so yeah so every opportunity conferences meetings any time you get you you're you're connecting with people all the yeah. time and I think and that's it's really always important. me because Leah doesn't go to these meetings and you know it wouldn't be in her field of, of expertise or interest so I'm not sending a, a junior member of staff or something like that it's me who's there and, and because of my age I, I tend to know the faculty because they're older so the young surgeons coming in I don't know so well but um, so that that's an advantage now <laughs> okay so you also, you know, so you, you know, you do that. You connect with people. You're you're very proactive, aren't you, in reaching out to people? Um, and that's, I think, obviously, that's one of the main keys to your success. It comes back to that collaborative principle of reaching out and bringing people in. Uh, and you do, you you know, you spend time on social media as well. How are you using that at the moment, Sheila? Well, the social media was was an enigma to me initially. Um, I thought my bulletin board, you know, was good enough because that's where everybody was. So when my colleague Leah said, Sheila, you really need to get onto social media, like Facebook it was at the time, and I said, why? Because you're just going to take people off my, my website and they'll all go to Facebook. So where most people are starting perhaps at Facebook and trying to get people to come to the relatively new website, my people were already on my website. But it took me a very long time to appreciate that social media is like weaving a carpet that you know you may take some people off your website and they may prefer your Facebook group but with shares and reshares and and you know tweets and retweets and the, the, the expanded network is so huge that eventually it should feed back again so I think I have a good infrastructure to social media I don't think I'm anyway expert and I'm certainly not terribly diligent but I, I've used for example Pinterest I I have a board for the cruciate ligament and then I have all YouTube videos that I've either made or picked up on, on YouTube and they're all together so you know I'm using it slightly different way and I've got one Pinterest board that's a whole bunch of, of threads from the bulletin boards so um, interesting threads about 
I've got one, I think, about relationships when you've got a bad knee, you know, how does it affect the family and things like that. So I can weave my my own content, my surgeon's content, the bulletin board content into social media and feed them back again. So I'm beginning, I think, with a lot of help from the Google Plus people, I'm beginning to understand what social media really could achieve rather than just leeching my my viewers away. Yeah, because yeah, it is when you know when you've got a good presence like that, it is a case of um, you know why would they come off the website? But I like the way you know you're going out there now. You're putting stuff onto social media, and you're you're creating what I call all the little spider webs back to you. Mm-hmm. Because although they might go there, but they're eventually going to come back to you because that's where the core mm-hmm. of the information is. So it's been about then. You know, you've got a Facebook group. I know you're getting very active on Google Plus, and you seem to enjoy it on here. And obviously, it's my favourite platform. You know, and YouTube is really strong as well, isn't it? So you've got all these places. But now people, and that's the thing to understand. People don't realise that you've got to put content out there. You've got to put it on these platforms so that people can travel back. But it's no good just having a website these days. You know, uh, and, and in, in fact, you're probably the exception for that. You'd probably manage because you've got such strong content on your website. Mm-hmm. But even to get new people back, that you know, you place all these things out there, all these different mechanisms, all these different places people hang out and share and interrelate. You've got to put those little bit of pieces of content out there. So you know, um, definitely, definitely on the right track. So let's come to you, to me now. So you know, you've been doing all this stuff. You know, and now we've got we're in this wonderful age of online training where we've got access and we can just put this training out there now. You know, and it's revolutionized everything. Um, and you've just created your first Udemy course. And I know you've created it because I've taken the course and I've been through it and I'm very squeamish. So when you started showing me stuff, the inside of the legs, I was like, ooh, I'm, but I, you know, I'm going to look at this. I'm going to, you know, Sheila's coming on the show. I need to have a review of her course. So I went through the course and... <laughs> You know, I'm one of those, but I've never been a doctor. You know, I'd have been the guy fainting all the time. You know, I wouldn't have got past, you know, the first month of, of university probably. Um, but so you've got this course. You put it on Udemy. I've seen it, and it's brilliant. It's really high quality. You know, I love how simple the graphics are. You know, how you can see everything and how the inside of the knee works and everything. And, you know, anyone out there watching, you've got knee uh, issues or anything. I know that Eileen's just had an, uh, an operation. She's on a, uh, she's a two now. Go and check that out and have a look at that. But what made you, you know, jump to, for someone, you see, you're sitting in front of me, Sheila, and you, you're sort of like, you, you, you're saying you're an accidental success, okay? It's like, oh, I did this, and it happened, yeah? But, but you know, this is very, very, you know, you're, you've, you've gone on to Udemy right at the right time, again, Again, you've hit right at the right time. What's made you go on to Udemy? What's made you create a course? And why particularly Udemy? What, what was, how, how did you come to this decision? I think the first time I saw the potential, um, one of the Google Plus people um, presented the possibility of doing a course on, I, th- I think it was Thinkific. Thinkific. And I found the platform a little bit um, less friendly than Udemy, and I hadn't heard of Udemy, of course. But it was in my mind. I mentioned it to Rain. She looked at a, a couple of similar things, and um, I think it it was it was you. No, it wasn't. It wasn't you at all. It was Scott, my friend Scott, who I hope is in the audience today. Scott 
contacted me and said, "Listen, Sheila, you've got to be." you've got to be in this OVEE community. He didn't actually say you've got to be on Udemy, but you've got to be in the OVEE community. So I jumped over there and suddenly I felt at home for the first time in a very long time. I felt totally at home. So, um, and you know, it may move from Udemy to something else, but I, I, I have several courses on my website that have been created by experts, but with me, saying to them, look, these are the headings I want you to talk about. This is a structure I'd like you to follow. And they just send me content and I paste it in and patch it up. And and I just thought, you know, I'd I'd like to do this myself, but I'm not an expert. I don't want to be seen to be an expert. I'm an, I'm an educator. I'm not a knee surgeon. I've never had knee patients. So, um, but also I had... I had quite an interest in, in graphics and illustration and I discovered this fabulous program. <laughs> Other people may not like it, but I love it called Sparkle Video Scribe and it's a whiteboarding thing and it can be very dull if the hand's just writing and writing and writing and nothing's happening or the little Neff figures uh, appear on the screen. But I found that you could do really clever things with it if you knew how to make vector images. So the formatted users are called SVG. I don't know what it stands for, but Inkscape um, creates SVGs. And I never felt comfortable with Adobe Illustrator or Inkscape. I always found that those vector things just ran away with me and I got really cross. But I was watching another Google Plus. So I'm very influenced by Google Plus. I think it was Rebecca Radis who was talking about using virtual assistants. And she had, she said she couldn't run her business without virtual assistance. And if it wasn't for Odesk, she couldn't do anything. And I didn't know what this was. So I looked on Odesk and I found that there's the most wonderful skill base there. And amongst them, quite by chance, I stumbled across a little, I wouldn't call him little, which is very derogatory, but a young artist who was very skilled at making SVGs. So... I just send him now mock-ups. I, I either draw them by hand or I cut and paste from several images or what, whatever. I just send him any old mock-up and I, sit, I say to him, please, can you do this? But I don't want a man. I want a woman and I don't want him lying on his back, her lying on her back. I want her lying on her tummy and I don't want a leg at that angle. I want it at this angle. And the most wonderful drawings come back. And that's changed how I use Sparkle because with a really professional, uncluttered, clear design like the things you've been talking about I can just do so much so that's also changed the way I feel about doing it myself because surgeons tend to put blood you know they they take a photograph of this bloody thing and they say well this is obviously such and such but all you can see is blood you can't see anything else whereas mine are the line is clear and you know they they're neat and tidy and so that's made a big difference and, it, and it's and it's squeamish people friendly like me you see you know, yeah, well, I didn't put blood, too much blood in that one. <laughs> no, you was good. You was very good. Yeah. See, if I'd seen blood, I'd have been straight away. Like, I can never yeah. understand the fascination <laughs> people have watching people having operations. I'm like, why would you want to see that? You know. Yeah. Um, so, so we've got, you know, you've got, you've come on Udemy. You, you're trying the platform out. You've joined the OV community. So, if anybody's listening to the podcast that we will create from this, that's the online video educators and entrepreneurs community. OV, you will find that on Google Plus. Have a search on there. Um, and, you know, thank you for the kind words that you've enjoyed the community and everything, Sheila, and we've loved having you. 
and you're an inspiration to all of us. But um, so you've you've got so it's a new market. You've got Udemy out there again. You're putting stuff out there. It's a new type of product. I love that you're doing it yourself this time. I really really like that because. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you're selling yourself a bit short at times here because you've been in this industry years, and I'm sure there's plenty of young surgeons that wouldn't mind a couple of hours sat down with you because, you know, yeah. you've soaked this subject up for a few years. And that's what I want to encourage people. If you've, got, if you've been soaking up expertise, most people have got one passion in their life. Most people have got one thing in their life that they're really passionate about, or they've found that passion. Or maybe, some people maybe still looking at that passion, but usually you've got one passion. And if you've got enough passion about a subject, it's amazing where you can take that, especially mm -hmm. if you can help other people with that passion. So, so let me ask you a question. So, if somebody was starting out today from scratch and they had some niche expertise, Okay, because they might look like, well, that's easy for you, you know, Shirley, you've got 20,000 hits a day. You know, you can create a Udemy course and you have all these people already captured. So, but if, if someone was going to start today, if you was going to start today from scratch, just put it the same, you were going to start today with no website, no uh, following online, where would you start? What would you start doing to build up that niche expertise online? With everything you've learned for the years, where would looking back, what would you have done from the very beginning? What were the first things you'd do? I think the first thing is think about endorsement. I think you need to get um, buy-in to your niche, and I was very fortunate that my I shouldn't use the term my because they don't belong to me. The the knee surgeons on my site didn't say right in the beginning, look, you put me on without asking permission, I want to go, I'm getting out of here. I think in all the years I've done it, only one has ever said, please remove my name. Um, so I, I, I find it hard even to think of starting afresh, but endorsement would be the one thing. So some years ago, somebody said, why don't you make a shoulder guru? Because mine is an e-guru. And he said it should be really easy, you know. And I said, no, it's not easy because they're not necessarily the same surgeons. The shoulder surgeons are different people. I don't know them. I've got to go and meet all these people again. I've got to go to their meetings to meet them. I've got to shake their hands. I've got to change, you know, exchange cards. So um, you need to be where the people are that will help you to endorse your thing. So if you can give me one little example of what kind of niche, then I would have a better handle her mark well I think I think you've actually answered it Sheila because what you're saying is you would go out there and you would make those connections you know you would go out there and you would you would seek those endorsements and what you're really saying is, if I put that in marketing terms you know what you're saying to me is I would go out there and I'd be creating you know collaborative collaborative relationships with people mm -hmm. you know so that's that's the, fir the first step and it's interesting you know how, how there and I know you wanted to mention something about authority so you know obviously you feel like authority is important in this stage if you're starting out developing authority so if somebody needed to start developing a bit of authority around a subject what advice would you give them on that well I think that whenever you publish something you should um, you should link it to the person who, who generated that content, even if you're rewriting it. So by authority, I mean, when I, when I ask a surgeon, please, to, to write a, 
a short article on something, I make sure that at the bottom of that page is a link to the page I have for him with his photograph, his contact details, etc. So that nobody at any stage can think that I've written it. And where I do write things, then my name is at the bottom. So if they're seeing an article that is by a surgeon that's been there for 30 years, who is president of the Knee Society of California or something, who has written three books, who's, you know, that's what I really mean by authority. So I can get the surgeon's presence endorsing it, but they can't be any old surgeon. They have to be the best. Um, so that you know, I have a, a section, a tab for publications, so people can see, gosh, this guy must be somebody. He's published, you know, 200 articles in, in, in key medical journals and he's written three books. You know, they can see the kind of authority of the of the spoken word there. So I, I can then add that to my own content because I can say this is derived from the work of so-and-so. So you can you can borrow authority. I absolutely love that, Sheila. I really love that for, and, and you know, um, that's, you know, really, really, really powerful sort of thought there is that you're not, you're not, you're not in the first place trying to extend your, your own authority. You're not trying to get out there, you know, you're making sure that people understand the content on your website has authority, that what's driving that content is authoritative, you know, that the person, so that when someone comes there, you're creating validity, you're creating social proof. Around, which is essentially what you're doing is, you know, you're creating a social proof and it's, you're not manufacturing it, you're just outlining it. You're saying, here's this guy, he's an expert, look, here's his papers, you know, and then so when that someone comes across that content, you know, you're making sure that the social proof is around that piece of content. And again, mm -hmm. as the hub that pulls all that together, you benefit. And I think the honesty of that is really, really important as well. I think that's mm -hmm. part of the you know, the integrity, you know, of what you're doing. Mm. So, um, you know, and I know you have a very high value um, for professionalism. So can you just touch on that for us? Yeah, sure. When I started again so many years ago, um, I had... I had less of a feeling of this because I was just had this long blue line of bulletin board and my logo because the site is called Ni Guru the logo was a little um, guru man as, as, as I perceived it in, in western terms with his legs crossed and a turban on his head and done in a cartoon style and I thought that this was good branding and um, I got one day a very aggressive email from an unknown person saying, if you don't stop, um, what is the word? I forget now. Um, what is, I'm losing the word in, in my anxiety about it, but he basically said, you're offending the entire Orient by having this character on a professional, what should be a professional website, and if you don't remove him, we're going to take your site down. So it was hacked. and. Um, and I got a fright from the hack, but it also made me think quite clearly that that if I was going to try and, and do something as a professional, then it must be professional. So I wrote back and I said, you know, that's a very valid criticism, apologized and said that, you know, although I didn't like the route that, ha that this had gone through, I was going to change my branding. So then I made it very 
plain in the sort of blue-gray of, of the internet as it tended to be in those days. And I took all reference to cartoons and, and things away. And in fact, now that I'm doing Sparkle videos, I sometimes put a little cartoon character there, but it's just a, a, you know something off the Sparkle website and, and nothing that's, that's going to spoil the branding. So um, I, I have... Um, gone through the, the protocols to have what's called ONCODE, H-O-N, which is Health on the Net Foundation, ONCODE um, registration, which means anybody with a medical problem who finds a website that's got an ONCODE badge can be sure that we've gone through a, a protocol. It's got to have a doctor in charge of the content. Um, you know, there's, there's limits on the marketing you can do and all sorts of professional things. And so I've had that for many, many years now. Um, so you're making sure that there's standards that you've got, you know, that your target audience, uh, you know, and again, it's about presentation. You've got to present present what's acceptable and, you know, what they expect to see. And, and sometimes, you know, we might want to present a certain look because that's the way we want to go and we want to express ourselves. But sometimes the audience, in this case, strongly dictated, yeah. you know, how your marketing should look, how your website yeah. should look. because And you have to think globally as well because, you know, in, in a Western society, our, our um, perception of a guru is just, you know, somebody in, in marketing who's a bit smarter than you sort of thing. We don't have that deep spiritual connection with a guru that, that you get in, in the East. So, you know, I, I would have to extend that to I've got um, part of the bulletin board that's just for general encouragement thing and things and, and people use perhaps Christian expressions or at, at festival time, I have to say to people, look, you know, it's not only Christmas, you know, we've got people from many faiths here. You must wish, you know, the, the, the festive season in other terms and, and don't put everything into, you know, the, 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 the Western um, framework, put it that way. So oh, I've yeah. tried to be a bit more global and I've tried to, you know, have surgeons from Abu Dhabi and whatever. The, my only limitation is that I'm not prepared to do other languages, so English is where it stops, really. Okay. So, you know, I, I, you, that's, I think that's a really, really good point. Now, so let's just talk about, you know, with... With building like a residual income business, like a Udemy course, let's just bring that back down to someone who may be starting out, they've got niche expertise, they want to start sharing that online, they want to maybe start, you know, uh, making some income from that, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Most of education is based on the fact that you're going to educate uh, yourself so you can earn money. And, and when you've got expertise, you then go out and you can sell that, whether it's in the classroom or courses or books. So that educational principle. So what would you say to someone who maybe has created a course, has been out there a little while, they're not getting much sales, nothing seems to be sort of working right now. What would you sort of say to them looking back on your experience over the years? Okay, well, my Udemy experience is not long, but my experience of, of courses is long. Um, again, I think it's a case of listening to your audience. So um, if, if, if the pupils are not coming, there's something wrong. Um, I, I did this first Udemy course really for lay people. But one of my first um, takers has been a physiotherapist student 
who's absolutely raving about the physiotherapy content. And the first thing he said is, look, you haven't put enough references for us. You must have evidence base. And he started pasting references into the discussion. You, you must quote this article in that year. And, and so I can see that I've missed out in, in, in connecting with that audience because I didn't think the, le the level was right for them. So I think if people aren't coming to your course, you must look at the basic things, you know, how is it branded against the competition? Is it too long? Are the chapters too long? Are they too short? I'm trying to stick my videos under five minutes and perhaps three, but, um, you know, you have to play around. You have to test, I should think. Uh, it's something that, that is a little bit worrying is that Udemy says that it's lifelong, your course, once you've paid for it, so that you can't remove content. But I think if there's too much content, there's nothing to stop you sticking it in a PDF and putting it in the resources and just getting it out of the way. And trimming and tailoring, I, I would think that's the answer. But you, you're the guy, Mark, who's got all the expertise here. Yeah, I think what, what, I, thought, what I was aiming at here was, you know, over the years, you've had to be persistent, Sheila. You know, you've had to stick at it, even though sometimes, I'm sure you've had times where you think in the past, you know, maybe it isn't working or maybe, you know, I'm not getting much joy from this. But you try new things, don't you? You know, you, you experiment, you move on like you just said. You know, it seems to me like that physiotherapist is saying to you, from my perspective, he said that to me, the, the alarm bells would be going off in my head and saying, oh, he wants me to do a physiotherapist course. Mm. So I would be going... Great, I'm going to do your physiotherapist course now, which is much more advanced. And that's why I began. But what I wanted to do is, you know, how, how did you deal, not so much with Udemy, but how did you deal over the years with times when you felt a bit down about it or when you felt like you wasn't getting anywhere, you know? What, what was your sort of attitude? Because you've been doing this for a number of years now, you know? What, what's kept you going? How have you kept going? I think it's just the word you mentioned in the beginning that I have a passion for the subject. I think it would be very hard if you didn't really have a passion for your subject to keep going. Um, I just find incredible pleasure in, I mean the knee is a very small space <laughs> and yet I learn new things every single day and and I'm still fascinated after 20 years with the subtleties of, of the things I learn. So um, I think without passion you then, I guess, would have to be very mechanical. You would have to have a business plan and follow it and, and test and retest. And But um, when, I, when I had um, a lot of maintenance of the surgeons, I did find myself very down because they were HTML pages and they would write and say, I've changed my dress and I would have hours of, of messing around with their page. But now we've streamlined and Leah's made these into a database and it's really, really quick and easy to change. And I get feedback from surgeons saying, wow, I only sent you that email five minutes ago and you've already changed it because it's very simple. So perhaps when, when things aren't working well, to just look at the, the infrastructure and, and try and make things easier. And, and, and recently also, um, I've also, um, bet between the two of us, we've, um, Leah's actually employing him and then I kind of subcontract, got another VA, a virtual assistant from, the ODESC environment. I'm, I don't think he was from ODESC, but from that um, freelancing environment. And he's working through this endlessly long database, just uh, revising all the web links because the surgeons have all changed their websites in the last 10 years. So where I just found I couldn't do it, my eyes were hurting, I was bored. 
um, he seems to be happy to do it. And he's just started with A and it's like seven months and now he's on S and he just slogs away at it. And, and so perhaps when you down like that, just get somebody else to take over who, mm -hmm. who doesn't mind doing data import or whatever. And, you know, I, my experiences with ODISC have been great. I, I had a lot of criticism from some people when I looked to ODISC. I know that, that the the fees that you pay virtual assistants on ODISC is not Western fees, but I couldn't afford them. So, you know, you don't get the job done otherwise. I think that's a great. I think that's a great subject for a, a community chat, and I, I'd love to get a few people on the panel, and I'd love to invite back on that, Sheila, because I think that's a massive topic in itself. You know how we can manage our production and bring people in. You know, and all all, all the questions around that. So, um, you know, I've got a note here as well that you know for you, it's very important that you focus on your core landing area. So, are we talking about the niche? being very focused in the niche because like you said you could have done the shoulder as well you could have done but you know so the temptation is for people would say do this and do that but you stuck at your niche you've really stuck at your niche you know is that what you're talking about when you say focus on your core landing area no i really mean if the website is the is the core of your of your site okay. then feedback to the website it's, it's so easy to go off into i mean for example i made several Facebook groups and they're very popular and I personally f found Facebook very uncomfortable. I, I foolishly made two accounts. I got them so muddled up I didn't ever know what was going on and, and yet the people keep saying like, 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 like and, and, and you know getting involved in the Facebook groups. So um, the question now is how do I feed them back to the website because you know I don't want the Facebook group to become my business because I it's an unfamiliar territory for me. I want to get them back on my website. So what, what I, uh, I've done with Udemy to try and do that, I've, um, in, in the resources, I've put some bulletin board conversations. So where I might have, you, you probably didn't spot them, but where there was some issue about that particular topic, I would, in the resources, I would link to a thread that was really interesting and hope that they'll go back, look at that thread, read the whole thread, read several other threads, and then, you know, know that that resource is back on my website. So what I really meant is, is, is if your website is it or your bulletin board is it, don't get lost in your social media. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, all roads, all roads have got to lead back to Rome, your Rome. You know, when we and that's one of the things about social media marketing is, you know, if you're just putting content, and I've had social media people, even on Google Plus, disagree with me on this, but for me, I'm, I'm always going to give a link back to a resource that I'm connected to. I'm always going to give them paths back to me because that's, you know, that's one of the basic principles of social media marketing. Social media marketing is very good for getting attention. It's not the place to make a sale. So you have to bring people back all the time, you know, and, you know, bringing them back to your website, that's, that's the correct place to have a transaction. They expect that. Um, Rob asked a few questions um, in the quick, and I just want to answer these really quickly. Sheila, how do you define expert? Does it require formal education? No, it requires that you've actually gone and studied the subject and you've learned the subject, and it doesn't have to be formal. Obviously, I wouldn't suggest you go out and do knee surgery, uh, or as I would call it, DIY brain surgery without some um, formal qualifications. But in most times, you know, there's, you know, the people I've learned from most in life don't often don't have you know, formal education, there's someone that's really passionate about this subject. He's asked, how do you encourage engagement from niche audiences? I think we've um, 
answer that tonight, you be as useful as possible, which is what Sheila's done. What's, where's the best place to find your niche groups, Facebook, YouTube, etc.? Basically, you've got to figure out where they are. And where they are is, and if they're not anywhere particular, that's the opportunity to create a group or a community and draw them back. Um, and by its very definition, niche is a limited market. Would it be better investing in the more mainstream? Sheila's made the argument 20,000 hits a day. Uh, she doesn't need to go outside her niche. Uh, does niche knowledge hold more value? Yes, it does, because um, when someone's got a knee problem, they're going to go to a general website and dig through it. Mm, not too fussed about that, but if they want specific information, they're going to go to the place that has that information. So lots of great stuff on there, um, and we're sort of coming to the end, Sheila. So what's, what's your sort of uh, final thoughts for the people out there, the Udemy instructors that are listening? Oh, before we come to that, actually, I just want to pick up a couple of points. Uh, my wife, Philomena, has pointed out, you know, that dial up, you're showing your age, Mark. Thank you, Philomena. That's great. Um, uh, that's, uh, that's my wife. And uh, also, Eileen Smith says, I love listening to Sheila's voice. And for you that are over in America or anything, Sheila's got the proper British accent. I've got uh, a Peterborough accent with sort of mix of Cockney and a few other things. But Sheila's accent is proper English. So... But you if wouldn't you were, agree because you're English and you know I've got a, no, a, a South African twang to my accent. Very, very slight. Very <laughs> slight. Um, <laughs> Good <on you. laughs> So I think that's everything in the Q&A. Sorry, guys, I couldn't pick up the comments in the event uh, thing because uh, I, I can literally, with my system here, I can only have one thing on screen at once. Um, so hopefully we can pick them up after the show. And if you listen to the podcast... Um, as well, we will make sure that there's a, a route back to, if you listen to this on iTunes, just click in the iTunes section. It's going to take your link back to my webpage, and there'll be some links there for you as well to find Sheila's stuff. So what is the name I of your like website, to, Sheila? Before, before you go, um, yep. before we go, all go, I'd like to pick up one of, of Creature Design's questions, and that's Excellent. about yeah. the expert thing. What I've discovered over the years is that many of my lay people are more expert than many of the doctors. So they came on that bulletin board 10 years ago. Uh, they couldn't find the information. Maybe I helped them find it. Um, they visited expert surgeons. They read, they, they got the terminology together so that they could read the medical literature. They just crash into the medical literature now and they come back to me and say, you know, do you realize that the average doctor knows nothing about a certain topic? And they are more expert than many of the professionals that they would be consulting. So um, they have become a resource on the website because I know if they're answering questions, they're more knowledgeable than I. So, and, and certainly more knowledgeable than their own family doctor or, or, or you know the average doctor that they're going to bump into. So if you can get your niche so that it's the expertise generates within your audience, then that's brilliant, you know, to get a bulletin board that runs itself, because I don't participate much. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you. That's really, really, really uh, great insight there, Sheila. And I mm -hmm. think that shows that, you know, when someone's got a passion, you know, they don't need a formal education. They need to educate themselves. Mm -hmm. and there's more than one way to educate themselves. So final thought, Sheila. Obviously, I'm going to ask you if you can, if you've got an offer for the course for the people that are watching the YouTube video and the podcast. 
I'm going to get mm -hmm. that below in the in the YouTube description if you're happy to do that. Um, and just final thoughts for anybody who's out there with niche knowledge and they're excited. And what would you say to them if you're sitting down? You know, you're sitting down at a table, you're having uh, tea and biscuits. What would you say to them to encourage them? Well, Jess and Scott, I know Scott is going to be watching this today or, or later on. And uh, I watched a, a show that he did with Jess Jules some time ago where they talked about this 10,000 hours thing, that if you want to be an expert, you've got to put the 10,000 hours in. And that was when I started um, spending 10,000 hours learning how to do Hangouts. <laughs> and now I think I can do Hangouts, despite our technical difficulties today. So if, if, you, if you're going to be a niche person, I think you've, you've got to put your 10,000 hours in and you've got to know what you're talking about. And if you can't, you've got to get hold of, of a team you know, that, that does know that. Because you, you, without expertise, you're not, I shouldn't think that it would be very easy to dominate in a niche. I know, I know there's some niches that, that you can possibly dominate just with a very good product or something. But I would think expertise is... Is what so, I would say. Just, just get it. You know, gain it one way or the other. A state of continual education, an attitude yeah. of, of continual education is key to success, and I would agree with that. Marketing. I love speaking to other people in marketing. I love listening to them. I love it when they disagree with me and give me a rational reason why they disagree mm -hmm. with me um, on a point. And I love to learn. I love to take it all in all the time. So yes, that's thing. Now Rob has given us some takeaways, and I always like to finish with Rob's takeaways unless I forget, because he always does really, really good takeaways. You don't need to be the expert, number one. You don't need to be the expert, but the hub of online materials. Number two, the value of niche is uh, limited competition. Number three, Create demand by providing information. Number four, social media is an expanded network. Five, content is global. Your site is central. So I think Rob obviously got a lot out of the Hangout. I want to say thank you, Sheila, uh, and invite you to say goodbye to everybody. Uh, if you're watching the uh, Hangout, we haven't got a Hangout next week. Me and Phil are at a wedding, so we won't be doing an OB community chat next week. We'll be doing that the week after, um, but we will be back. But final word from you, Sheila. Well, it's always nice to know that you know half the audience. So I've got my Cornish flag up for everybody today. So that's the, the Cornish flag with a Cornish chuff, not a blackbird, a Cornish chuff sitting on the flag. So um, I'm waving to my pals and Cornishmen, wherever you are. <laughs> and I think um, Sue Aston liked the flag and she, <laughs> she recognized it and she commented. <laughs> so thank you, everybody, for watching. And me and Sheila are going to say goodbye now. I hope you found this useful and as inspirational as I've done. Thank you, man. Bye-bye.